right. Hey, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody? Come on, let's give Jesus gets all the praise. He's worthy of it. Man, Gary was pumping me up on, this, on the platform earlier. Hey, that was the first time he's ever done the welcome. I thought he did pretty good. I thought he did awesome with it. Good job, Gary. Proud of you. It was so, it just pumps me up. You know, he's, he asked what today is, and I was thinking it was the day before Valentine's Day. That's what I was thinking. And I'm just reminding you guys. I'm just reminding us. It's the day before Valentine's Day. So I want to look into that camera, though. Welcome everybody who's online with us. Thank you for being at church today. You, you may not be here physically, but you're watching online. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, the numbers of, of people watching and re-watching the messages is going up. And uh, it's pretty, pretty exciting to see what God's doing. So can we just welcome everybody online with us as well? Thank you for being part of our church. And I'm going to jump right into the message today because I really, I just have a word from the Lord. I told you last week some of the topic, topics we're going to teach on in this Family Values series. Um, and then this week, God just put a whole different topic on my list, on my heart to, to talk on. And so uh, it was week two of Family Values. And, and when we talk about Family Values, we're talking about things that we value as the church, okay? Not even just City Hope, but these are... These are the capital C church values that we ought to have as the family of God. And so I want to remind you that that values are simply principles or standards of behavior that guide your life. And these values could be good values, could also be some bad values that guide your life. Maybe you're making some decisions based on some bad values and and you're getting some bad fruit in your life, right? So it's, it's values that guide us, principles, standards of behavior that guide us. So last week we talked about this value of choosing relationships carefully. We have to make the right decision when it comes to relationships. Next week, we're going to talk about hope for hurting marriage. But today, you may have noticed on your, on your handout sheet there that we're going, to, we're going to talk about the F word, okay? The F word. In church, I'm going to drop the F bomb today. Is that okay? It's just, I cannot believe that. You're supposed to be a pastor. No, so it's not that F word. It's a different F word. Uh, but I did one time, I said the F word in church. Still not the F word you're thinking of, though. I said, it was a different word. It was my home church in Alabama. We, we were on staff at, at Daystar. The first year that I was on staff there, the first Thanksgiving, my pastor says, hey, man, why don't you bring a devotion this, this Wednesday night before, before Thanksgiving? Why don't you say a little something? And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll say a little something. And I'm talking about being thankful. And I said, church, we've got to have thankful farts. And, uh, and for the next 15 years, I never lived that down. All of the people who were there that night, they, they remembered it. Before we left to move to Wichita Falls, there were people who said, yeah, I remember that time you said thankful farts in church. Like, okay, all right, thank you for reminding me and never forgetting that, right? So, so it's not that word and it's not the other F word that you're thinking of. Sorry if I put that in your mind. But um, really, uh, it's a word that we don't like. A, a lot, and it's the word forgiveness, okay? Oh, yeah, forgiveness. It's going to be one of those talks today, one of those messages, because forgiveness, it's, it's huge. Guys, we, in fact, our first three years as a church, we have talked multiple times about forgiveness. We've, we've, done, um, we've done messages, uh, multiple messages throughout the years on forgiveness, and here's why. It's because Jesus said, it's impossible that n- no offense should come. In other words, you're going to be offended. 
right? He, he said in an, another location that um, just bank on it, you can count on it, that in this world you will have trouble. Aren't you thankful for the encouragement of Jesus, right? Thank you for encouraging us, Lord. Why don't you be positive, Pastor Ben? I'm positive. You're going to have offenses that come your way. In Matthew, Jesus goes on to say that many will be offended. They're going to betray one another. They're going to hate one another. They're going to deal with unforgiveness in their hearts. And I think the reason why this is such a popular topic, it's a touchy topic for us, is because there is a lot of, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that we deal with from what happened. Okay, and I don't know what happened. I haven't heard your story. I don't know why there might be some unforgiveness in your heart. I don't know why there might be some bitterness that set in, but could be a failed marriage, could be a broken trust in a marriage, could be a, a boss or a coworker who betrayed you. I don't know what it is. Could be an abuse that happened in your home. I, what, what I do know is there's a real pain associated with the, the unforgiveness that we carry. Can I just get a witness there, right? This, it's a real pain, and, and it hurts. And so what I'm... What I would like you to know today is that when we choose to, to hold unforgiveness, when we choose not to forgive someone, it is, it is like us drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. We, we, just, we think we're hurting them. I'll show you. And we, we, turn, we turn up, and it only hurts us. It only, it only makes it, our lives worse. Or we set ourselves on fire, and we expect the other person to die of smoke inhalation, Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to show you what it's really like to be in pain. And we're the only ones imprisoned over that. They're over here living their best life, and that makes it even worse for us, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to show you how to get this person out of your life forever. Because <laughs> chances are you're probably going to see them again. You're going to have to talk to them again. Or, or maybe there's a separation. Maybe it's someone who passed away, and they're, they're still eating at you. There's unforgiveness eating at you. What I can do today is I can tell you what the Bible says. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to call us to a higher place of faith today. I'm going to call us to a new level. And there's going to be moments in this, in this message today that you think, I can't do that. I can't forgive, Pastor Ben. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. I can't forgive. But I'm telling you today, by the grace of God, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I'm telling you, as you draw closer to God, as you take steps in your relationship with God, he's going to give you the power and the ability to do things that you never thought you could do. Can we, uh, that's a good place to say, I'll, uh, amen, yeah. I want that in my life. I want that grace. I want that power to do what he's called me to do. So I've got several lists. Now, I'm normally a list guy, but, but I've got three sets of lists today in the notes. And the first thing I want to do is I want to show you the progression of unforgiveness. Where does it start and where does it end up? Okay? So if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. But the first thing you would need to know is that all unforgiveness starts with offense. Somebody said something. They did something. They, they hurt you. A trust was broken. There was an argument that took place and you got offended over that. By the way, I, I read something this week that Women always get the last word. It's true. It's true because anything the man says after that is the start of a new argument. Okay, so it's, it's the, they always get the last word, right? So, yeah, I mean, but something happened, right? We got offended because something happened. They said something, did something, and it broke a trust. 
So what happens when we're offended is we start building up some walls around us. And, and that offense turns into separation. And we, we say things like, you, you fool me once, you burn me once, shame on, shame, shame on you. You fool me twice, man, I should have known better. I should have cut you off the first time. And, and, and we start building walls that keep people out. But the, the only problem is that it also keeps the good things out. And many times it keeps God out of our lives when we build these walls. We build walls of separation that turn into walls of isolation. And that's a bad place to be. So the offense happens, and then the offense leads to separation. If we're not careful, if we don't deal with it early on, that separation will lead us to an escalation. And this is where it just speeds up, right? We just lose our cool. I'm talking about we, we begin to say things that we... Man, it's, we would never say that. We begin to belittle people. We, we actually make big deals out of small things, right? Have you ever been there before? Uh, I like to say it like, like this. We major on minors. We make big things out of small things. And that's a bad place to be. It, it's, it's, not, it's not where God wants us. And so this, this escalation begins to take place. Now, I, I experienced a little bit of this growing up. And, and I have permission to share this story. Uh, I have an aunt who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and she watches. She, she considers City Hope as her home church. And she's probably watching right now. Hi, Aunt Ann. And I got her permission to share this story because I, I really hope it helps some of you. It just illustrates how this can take place. Well, um, my, my dad was from Florida, and so we would go on family vacation down to Florida. Deland, Florida is where he grew up. And so we would see all of our uncles and aunts. And we loved going to our grandfather's place. He had land and they had a, a four-wheeler or as they called it, an ATV, right? And we just, we'd get out there and we would have fun. It was a blast. And so this was, I'm telling you about the last time we ever went to Florida before my dad passed away. We go down there. There's three of us boys in our family and my cousin, and, and we're having a water balloon fight. It's great. Everybody loves water balloons until you get hurt, right? And my, my brother Dwayne threw a water balloon, and it hit my cousin square in the face. And, it, man, it set my uncle off. All right, well, he got up in my dad's face. Well, my dad got right back in his face. There was an arguing match that took place, and my dad just kind of said, you know what, we'll just take our stuff and go home. And as I can recall, being like a five, maybe six-year-old kid, we went home. That's, a, that's not a short drive, by the way, all the way back to Tennessee. And my uncle and my dad never spoke again before my dad passed away. Because of a water balloon, guys. Because, because, do you see how it just escalates? And we make a big deal out of a water Hey, we could have just said, man, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean for that to happen, but instead, we just kind of bow up at each other. And I'm not telling you that story to throw shade at my family. I'm just trying to say we all deal with things like that, right? We're all, we all struggle. We all deal with, we, we, we want to just escalate it. And sometimes you just need to take the de-escalator, right? See, because if, if you don't deal with it now, if you don't, do, if you don't deal with it before the escalation happens, you're going to end up in deception, and this is where you start to think things that never even happened. You begin to believe things that were said that were never even said. And as you tell the story, it gets worse and worse every time around. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, before you know it, they blew up the entire block and people were, bodies were strewn everywhere. You're like, that didn't happen. But it's deception. We start to believe things that never happen. And when we get hurt, we believe lies. We believe lies like, I don't even know why I thought she could change. I don't know why I thought I could trust him. It's never going to work out. You weren't supposed to marry her. We start to believe these kind of lies. And when you're hurting, can I just tell you, you're the last person you should take advice from. <laughs> you're the last person you should listen to when you're hurting because you're ruminating. You, you're chewing the cud and you, you regurgitate it and you take that thing and you, you chew it up again and you, it, you begin to tell yourself these lies. You begin to believe lies. Can I just tell you this today? You can't trust yourself when you're offended. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with it, that deception will eventually end up as hostility. And, and this is where it turns, it turns to bitterness. I've got no use for you. There's no chance of reconciliation. I don't want to be restored. You shut the other person out. There's no relationship. This is the progression of unforgiveness. It, it gets to a point where it's not even about the other person or what they did anymore. It's about you being right. It's about you having the final say, and your identity gets wrapped up into this. So what, what happens next is the hostility, it begins, it, be, it begins to affect everything about you. It, it begins to control your relationships. So now you can't have a normal relationship with anybody else because you filter it through the hurt and the pain. Is this helping anybody today? All right, so it leads you to a place of hostility. Now, that's why we do messages on forgiveness multiple times a year because we've all been hurt. We, we, need, we need to let go of some things that have hurt us. And, and I, as I was writing this progression down, it reminded me of the time that, that Boudreaux got back at, at Thibodeau. Uh, and also figured this is a good place for a joke because it's not, not really a funny message today. So, so if you don't know much about Boudreaux, he's a C Cajun friend of mine. Uh, not really, but uh, <laughs> Cajun character, how about that? But I love Boudreaux. So, so Boudreaux wanted to get back at Thibodeau one time because Thibodeau, he just, kept, he just kept getting on Boudreaux's nerves. So one day, Boudreaux shows up at the barber shop, and he walks in, and the barber says, uh, Boudreaux, what you got on your chest? And he says, oh, this, this is dynamite. Boudreaux, why you got dynamite on your chest? He said, every day I come in here and and Thibodeau, he slapped me in the chest and broke the cigar, what I got in my pocket. So I'm going to blow his hand off. <laughs> so you might get it later. You're like, it's only going to hurt him. That's the point, right? That's the point. He's going to blow Thibodeau's hand off, but he is going to destroy himself. And it's funny, but isn't that what we do to ourselves? I'm, I'll show you. And we, we think we're punishing them, but we're the real prisoner. Hey, everybody, we're just punishing ourselves. So I want to show this principle to you in, in Ephesians. Or it's chapter 2. Paul's writing to the Ephesian people here. And he says, I want to explain something. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. So to give you context, he's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles in Ephesus. Okay. Now, the Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They were not friendly they hated each other. There was bitter, bitter rivalry. There was unforgiveness. There was betrayal. And, and they were dealing with 
what we're talking about today. Uh, so, so he says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. If we were if we were writing this in today's century in honor of Black History Month, Paul might have said, hey, I'm, I'm talking to those of you who are white and black and Hispanic. Hey, it's time, everybody. To, to, you were called out. You weren't born perfect. No, you were separate from Christ. It's the whole reason Martin Luther King Jr. lived his life to help tear down some walls of hostility, by the way. And he says, you were without hope. You were without God in the world. You didn't have a relationship with God. Even you Jewish people, you think you, you, you think you were a little bit better than the Gentiles, but you were still separate from, from God. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you've been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that, hey, that's how we get saved, everybody. It's through the blood of Jesus. So he himself, Jesus, is our peace. The world isn't my peace. The things that I can get from this world are not my peace. No, Jesus is my peace, and he has made the two one. He's made the Jews and the Gentiles, the blacks and the whites, the Hispanics and, and, and the Asians, whatever you want to talk about. He's made them one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the walls of hostility, Okay? In other words, he came to bring reconciliation, not just for us to him, but for us to each other. I'm preaching maybe better than y'all are amening right there. But uh, he, he came, he, he's a, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. So what does he expect of me now? Now that, he is, now that Jesus came and he is my peace and he tore down the wall, what does he want from me? Well, he wants... A couple chapters later, he wants you to get rid of all the bitterness in your life. All the unforgiveness, the rage, the anger, the brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. All of that in your heart that says, oh, I wish she would burn in hell. I can't stand her. Every time I see her, it makes my blood boil. That's what he wants for you to get rid of. Because it's holding you captive. And So what do I do, Pastor Ben? Well... You've got to be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive each other as Christ forgave you. I can't do it, Pastor Ben. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what happened. I don't. I'm, I don't know what you've been through. But there, there's a principle here that applies, okay? And that is that you can't receive forgiveness until you forgive. And don't be mad at me. Jesus said it, okay? Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your, fa your father, your heavenly father will forgive. He's going to forgive you too. But if you decide, no way. I can't, I'm not forgiving them. No, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't let them off the hook. I'm not forgiving them. Uh-uh. Your father won't forgive your sins either. Whew. So what do, we, what do we do? Pastor Ben, like, like what, what's, what's the deal? Your ability to receive forgiveness is dependent on your ability to give forgiveness. Okay? You understand that. I can't do it, Pastor Ben. That's what a lot of people say. I can't forgive. It's because they have the wrong idea of forgiveness. They think forgiveness is one thing. It is something totally different. So we come up with these excuses why we can't forgive. 
We come up with these reasons, these misconceptions, and I want to just debunk that. I want to tell you five things forgiveness is not. So if you're in your notes, jot this one down. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing what happened to you. What happened to you was real. It was hurtful. Man, no, 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 no. It's not minimizing it. It's acknowledging that it was a real hurt. It was a real pain, but it was not God's heart for you. It was not God's reflection for what he wanted in your life. I'm so sorry that you dealt with it, but you can't, you, listen, when you choose not, not to forgive, a lot of times it's because you think that you're excusing their behavior. Well, it just means that what they did was okay. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. It's not what forgiveness is. Second thing is forgiveness is not forgetting. You're probably going to remember it for the rest of your life. So the point is that you don't, like, that's not the hope. The hope is not that you would forget it. The hope is that God would work in your life and he would heal you to the point that when you remember what happened to you, you don't have to relive the hurt and the pain because God makes all things new. He restores, he revives, he gives hope, and he heals. That's, that's the point. So it's not forgetting. Number three is it's not reconciliation. To, to, to forgive and those of you who are in freedom right now, our freedom small group, you're going to learn these things over the next few weeks. If you're not in a group, I would, I would encourage you, get in a freedom group. Go to a freedom group. But it's not reconciliation. That doesn't mean that you have to start hanging out with them again. In fact, in many cases, it might not be the best thing for you to be reconciled. But I want you to hear me. If you, forgiveness is not reconciliation, but if you choose to be reconciled with a person, it's 100% imperative that you forgive because you can't keep making them pay for what they've done to you, okay? You've got to forgive. Number four, probably really not going to like this one. Forgiveness is not fair. My fifth grade teacher, Miss Job, she said, uh, I would say, it's not fair, Miss Job. Life isn't fair, Ben. She was right. Life isn't fair. Hey, forgiveness is not fair. No, Pastor Ben, it's not fair for them to get, to, 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 to get off the hook for what they've done to me. It's not fair for, for them to just go on about their business like nothing ever occurred. It's not fair. I want to tell you today that I'm thankful God doesn't play fair. See, God's not fair. Do, do you want God's forgiveness or do you want his fairness? See, because if you want fairness, then, then what's fair is for you to pay for your own way to heaven. What's, pay, what's fair is for you to, what, what's deserved, what's fair would be for you to, to go to hell. That, that's what's fair, because that, that's what our sins earned us, was, the wages of sin is death, right? So I don't want fairness, I want forgiveness. I want to walk in forgiveness, and God says, hey, if you're going to receive forgiveness, you can't withhold it from somebody else. You've, you've got you've to walk in it. Walk in forgiveness. So it's not fair, and I'm thankful for that. But finally, it's, it's not possible without the Holy Spirit. I can't do it, Pastor Ben. Not in your own power. Not in your own ability. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, when he breathes fresh in your life, when he's moving in your life, that's when you can do things you thought you couldn't do. He's, look, forgiveness doesn't make you a doormat. Forgiveness doesn't make you a victim. Forgiveness makes you victorious. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory at that point. That's why you, that's why you need to forgive so you can walk in the victory that God has for you. Amen? So I want to wrap up today. I want to give you, um, I feel like I'm really moving fast today. Is, is it, am, I, am I doing okay? Is it, are you getting something? Because I feel like, man, I'm, I'm doing good on time. I got, I'm all right. All right. So what I want to do now is, it's my second list I gave you. I'm going to give you one more list of things that, this is, this is walking in forgiveness now. Okay, now we're going to choose to walk in forgiveness. What does that look like? You're going to love the first one and hate the other two. I'm just going just to tell you. It's not going to be fun. But it's vitally important, okay? All right. So here's the first one. If we're going to walk in forgiveness towards a spouse, towards someone who's hurt us, we've got to first receive God's forgiveness. It starts there. You can't do anything else. You can't do these other two steps if you have not received God's forgiveness. That's where it starts. So it's the step one. It's, it's where we begin. And you might be thinking, well, good. I'm good, Pastor Ben. Uh, we can go on to number two. I have received God's forgiveness. But I, I do want to just remind you that you will never have to forgive someone else more than God has already had to forgive you. you. You've been forgiven much, and he says, now it's time, to, it's time to do it yourself. So a lot of times what happens is we try to earn God's forgiveness. We, we, we think that it's all about how we act and what we do. And for a long time, that was me. I grew up in a church where it was just kind of an evangelical kind of... Put your head to the ground, your nose to the ground. You, you were just constantly going, trying to be good enough, run fast enough, be smart enough, do all the right things to earn God's salvation, and you can't do that. There's nothing you can do or say that would cause God to love you more or less. He loves you for no good reason. That's a, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> That I didn't have to do anything for him to love me. He just loves me. He cares about me. He wants relationship with me. So forgiveness is not earned. It is received. You receive it. So you can't earn it. Okay, now if you live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, chances are you will live your life trying to make other people earn your forgiveness. Well, you got to jump higher if you want me to forgive you. you got to do this if you want me to forgive you. No, it doesn't work like that. Okay, so... We receive God's forgiveness. Let me show you this principle in Ephesians chapter 2, that we, it is by grace that you've been saved. So grace is un, it's unmerited favor, or it's the kindness of God. This word has two meanings, unmerited favor, but also a force. In other words, it's the power to do what God's called me to do. So he saves me, and then he gives me the power to do the things that I never thought I could do, like forgive. So it's by grace that you've been saved. It's not... It's through faith. It's not because you were good enough. It's not because you were Stuart Smalley. I've been good enough, smart enough, doggone it, people like me. It's not, it's not for that. Uh, it's a gift of God. Have you ever paid 
for a gift that someone gave you? They give you a gift and you're like, hey, man, how much, how much do I owe you? No, no. You just received it. You received the gift. Same thing with salvation. It is a free gift that he gives to you. You don't earn it. It's not by your works because if you worked for it, you could boast about it. If you worked for it, you could be like, man, he finally let me in. He said I was good enough. I made it. No. It doesn't work that way. It's a free gift, not by works. So what happens when you receive this free gift? I love this. Isaiah said it. He said, Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be washed white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, I will make you, I will make you white as wool. But here's, here's, here's the thing. You've got to receive it. You've got to obey. You've got to fall more in love with Jesus. It's relationship, not religion, right? You gotta, and, and this is it. He washes us white as snow. He washes us clean, not because we did anything to deserve it, simply because it's a gift. All right? So that's the first step. You can't do the next two without receiving this one. Now, the next two might be a little more difficult. And that is, after you've received God's forgiveness, you've, you've got to freely give <clears throat> what you have freely received. The, the emphasis is on freely. Freely give. Um, Jesus illustrates this for us. Uh, and, and, and the idea behind it is he's not asking you to do something that, that he's not already done for you. Okay? So he says, I want you to do for others what I've done for you. Go and do this likewise. Go do this. In Matthew, he says, freely you have received, freely give. The, the Greek word here could also be translated as undeservedly you have received. You didn't deserve it. It's not like you earned it. There was no cause for God to have given it to you. And so now he says, I want you to do the same. I want you to find somebody who doesn't deserve it, and I want you to give it to them too. Y'all are quiet. So, so uh, it's undeserved. What he's given me is undeserved. It's freedom. It's forgiveness. And now he wants me to do the same. And and there's a principle in the Bible, uh, it's found in Luke 6, we're going to look at it. And there's, there's this passage of scripture that is often preached on when it comes to money. Uh, people talk about it at the offering time, and you're going to recognize it in a moment. If you've been around church very long, you're going to recognize this scripture. Maybe you heard it on Christian television even. Um, it's, Matt, it's, it's Luke chapter 6. And this scripture is not about money. It could apply to money. But the context of it is, how do you treat your enemies? How do you treat people who've hurt you? And Jesus says, you, you love your enemies. You do good for them. You, you send them a kind letter in the mail. Y'all send them a letter, all right. It's going to have anthrax in it. I'm... No, no. You, 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 don't, you don't do that. You, you love them. You do good for them. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you take care of them, you lend to them, right? Other places, it's recorded that Jesus says, you pray for them. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them, all right? God, would you just give them hemorrhoids in <laughs> Jesus' name? It's not that kind of prayer. Lord, let them have the, the, the flies of a thousand camels under their armpits. God, just, no. Break the teeth of the wicked. No, not that prayer. It's uh, something that's different, Right? So do good to them. Uh, lend to them without expecting anything back. 
When you do that, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high because he's kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. All right, here's where it starts to get really good. Jesus says, here's what I want from you, church family, believers, Christians. I want you to be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. The the, the old version of this would have been uh, judge not lest ye be judged. You've probably heard somebody say that before when, when somebody was talking about them, right? Uh, do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And then this is where it, people talk, start talking about money. Give and it will be given to you. Hallelujah. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. It's going to be poured up in your bosom, loud, right? <laughs> For with the measure you give, it's going to be given back to you. Okay. And that's, that's my good preacher voice right there. But so, so we get to this, and you've heard it. You probably, you're laughing because you, you've heard that before, right? You, you've heard that give, and it will be given. And it could apply to money because he, he, he is talking about anything here. Whatever you give, this is a principle of sowing and reaping. But to understand this principle, all right, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, let's go back to the Bible times. They didn't have combines. They didn't have tractors to to, uh, harvest their fields. People did it. And they used baskets. They would use anything that they could carry the grain. And so in those days, gleaning was uh, was something that, that they would allow poor people who didn't have a job to come out and pick up the leftovers off of the ground. And so these people who would glean, they would come out with these baskets and they would collect things, collect the grain, the wheat, whatever it is, they would collect it, put it in the basket and get a good measure of it, okay? But it's kind of like when you're packing your suitcase to go on a vacation, you kind of have to press it down a little bit, don't you? Okay, so they would press down this, this grain, this wheat, this what, the crop, whatever it is, they'd press it down, they would make room for more and they would add more to the pile. And then they would shake it together. Have you ever shaken something before to try to get it to settle a little bit? And they would get that to settle, and they would add more to it, and then they would go back home. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and and the last part that they would add would be running over, okay? So now that you have that imagery, that picture in your mind, give, and it will be given to you. Give what, Pastor Ben? I'm going to go back. Give judgment and you will receive judgment, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give condemnation, and you will receive condemnation, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Oh, but I love this one. Give forgiveness, and guess what? It's coming back to you, a good measure, Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will forgiveness just be poured into your lap? That is the kind of life I want right there. I don't want one that sows judgment or condemnation. I want to give some mercy. I want to give some forgiveness because God has given that to me. Amen? I should have done that whole part in my preacher, my, my, my preacher voice there. It got y'all excited. So my, my point in this, I hope, I hope this makes sense. Does it make sense? Okay. Whatever you give, it's sowing and reaping. Whatever you give, it's going to come back with the measure that you use. Okay. Now, 
Here's the truth. For, forgiveness is the least that I could do because he's forgiven me. It's the least that I could do. I don't, John, um, at the sound booth, I don't know if this is on. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, no camera people back there following me, so I'm out of picture. So. It reminds me of this song that says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow That's, right, what, what was it? Jesus paid it all All to him I owe The only debt you owe to somebody is the debt of love Man, I owe all to him, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. All that I am, I'm going to give it back to Jesus. I, I, I give him everything. I, I owe him my life. I owe him everything. And it is hypo- it, it's hypocritical. It's against our family values to receive the forgiveness of God but not give it to somebody else. And so I want to teach you this principle today. It's hard. I, I get it. But, but listen. I'm challenging you to do what Jesus did. On his worst day, he's hanging on the cross. He's been beaten. He's bruised. He's bloody. He's been betrayed. He's been, he's been uh, rejected. He's been lied about. He's been falsely accused of things. And here he is hanging on the cross naked before his accusers, before the enemy. And the very first words out of his mouth, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them because they're off base. They don't understand, and I can't hold this against them. And I, 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 need, I, need, I need this right now, Father. Would you forgive them? I release them for trying to ruin my life. I release them. So here's the principle I want to I leave you with today, and that is, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to go first. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't wait to see if you were going to get your act together before he went to the cross? Aren't you thankful that he didn't wait to see if you would change before you decided to follow him, before he went to the cross? Aren't you thankful that he didn't, he didn't just say, hey, you know what, when, when I see people coming my way, then I'll go to the cross. No, Romans says that while we were still sinners, while we were still messing up, while we were still spitting in, in his face, while we were still living far from God, he came to us. He died for us, everybody. He died for us. And I want, I want us to get that today. And I'm calling us to a place of faith to believe something that may be unbelievable. I'm calling us to a place where we believe that the people who go first are the happiest. Blessed are the peacemakers. The word blessed, makarios, means happy. God, you've saved my soul. I'm happy for what you've done in my life. I'm so thankful. It's deeper than just a happiness. It's a real joy. I'm grateful. I'm blessed are the ones who make peace with other people. Well, what's a peacemaker? Is it somebody who just lays down and let people run over them? No, no, no. A peacemaker is someone who says, I'm giving up my right to be right. I'm giving up my right to hold this against you. I'm giving up my right 
to make you pay for what you did to me. I'm giving up my right. I'm laying it down and I'm going to make peace. And I want to tell you, peacemakers, it, it, co- it, it costs to be a peacemaker. It's sacrificial to be a peacemaker. It costs Jesus his life to be a peacemaker. And so we're going to have to give something up. But listen, what we're giving up is all the hurt and all the pain. What we're giving up is all, all, all of the, the imprisonment that we've dealt with. We're setting a prisoner free only, realize, only to realize that we were the prisoner. We were the one that was in captivity. Blessed are the peacemakers. So Jesus is not asking you to do something that he's not already done for you. He went first. And he asks peacemakers to go first. Offer forgiveness first. I did it for you, church. Do it for somebody else. They don't deserve it. I know that. But do it anyway. Pastor Ben, I I can't do that. I I I don't feel like forgiving them. But I'm not asking you to feel like it. I'm asking you to do it. Do it. Forgive. Because Jesus didn't feel like it. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Oh God, I I don't want to do this, Father. If there's any other way that you can make this happen, please. I don't want to do it, but... Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And he went first anyway. He went first. So I want to leave you with this thought. Forgiveness may not make your situation better. But without a doubt, it will make you better. may not make your situation better, but it will make you better. And if you decide in your heart today that you don't want that, I don't want to get better, Pastor Ben then there's only one alternative, and that is you will get bitter. You can get better, or you can get bitter. And I'm just pleading with you today, choose to get better. Come on, choose to get better today. Choose to let God work in your life. Choose to forgive. Choose to give up your right to make the other person pay. Would you bow your heads with me today? And I want you to ask yourself, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering in your heart? What's he speaking to your life today? What is it that he's saying to you? And here's what I know in a room this size, there are some of you who today, you are dealing with a root of bitterness. You're you're dealing with unforgiveness. And if that's you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, reveal who it is in my life. Reveal to me who I need to let go of. Reveal to me who I need to release. And on the count of three, I want you to just slip up your hand. If that's you, just say, that's me. I'm dealing with it. I'm holding, I'm I'm making somebody pay. One, two, three. Come on, slip it up. Slip up your hand. I'm I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you. But you're dealing with some, some unforgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are up everywhere. Come on, keep your hand up and let me pray for you today. Father, I lift up every person in the room today who says, I'm, there's, the Holy Spirit's reminded me. He's shown me someone in my life that I'm holding I'm, I'm holding them captive. I'm not letting them go. I need to forgive. I need, I, I need to release the healing power of Jesus in this situation. I need to let them go. Father, I pray right now that today you would sever every 
attachment to that unforgiveness, to that bitterness, that you would tear down the walls of hostility, the barriers that we've built in our lives. We surrender these relationships to you. And Lord, now that we know what forgiveness is not, God, we want to be led by your spirit. What do you want us to do? Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose to release. We choose to be the first. We choose to release them. And in return, we're releasing ourselves. We thank you for that, Holy Spirit. Jesus' name, amen, with your head still bowed. If you're here and, and, and you're in that first category where you have not received the forgiveness of God, hey, that's the first step. You can't be a peacemaker. You can't give what you don't have. The first thing you need to do today is surrender your life to Jesus to make him the Lord of your life, to give him complete control, complete authority in your life. And if you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to, asking you right now on the count of three to go all in to receive his forgiveness today maybe you feel the weight of your sin your shame the guilt your past he wants to wash that white as snow today if that's you one two three come on slip up your hand with boldness and courage i'm going all in thank you thank you thank you who else would say that's me pastor man thank you thank you anybody else five five people six who else would say that's me i'm going all in Surrender, complete control, complete. I'm giving him all of me. All to him I owe. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. Come on, with, your, with everybody in the room, I want everybody to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent. I turn from my ways to receive your way. Your forgiveness, your washing, you're cleansing me. Thank you for making me white as snow. I receive Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. And from this moment on, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today for salvation, for life change. For forgiveness, we received his forgiveness today. Amen. And if you made a decision, I, I, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you, I, it would be my honor to be able to keep praying for you over the next few weeks. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I want to ask you to do one thing for me. And that is, on that connection card that Gary mentioned earlier, there's a place, three, three opportunities right in the middle that says, my decision today, I committed my life, I recommitted my life want to be baptized let us please let me know I would love to pray for you to help you with some next steps and you're gonna take that and put it in the offering container in a moment and then I would love for you to just drop by the 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 next steps table out in the lobby we have some resources we'd love to give you uh, 100% just give those to you to help you know where to go what to do how do you live this new life in Christ and so um, that would be my honor if you would do that for, for me today for yourself okay and if you're a guest, there's no pressure for you to give. We're about to worship the Lord with our offering. No pressure for you to give, but I would love it if you just put that, that, that connection card in the offering container. That's our way to know that you're with us and pray for you in the weeks ahead. And if you're a regular at City Hope and you, you call City Hope home, this is your time to give, to worship the Lord with your giving. You give whatever the Lord puts on your heart, okay? And I want to celebrate with you, though. I want to celebrate with you what um, a report that we got from Cuba 
just this week. Uh, you guys know that we've been supporting ministry in Cuba for the last three years, and uh, things are pretty bad on the island. It's, it's a pretty good lockdown, a communist society there, and so they, they do things a good bit different than we do here in America. But I want to celebrate what your giving has done. Last year, 2021, 28,075 people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ last year. 9,000. Hey, get this. Get this, 9,945 confirmed salvations last year, 714 baptisms, seven brand new churches planted on the island of Cuba. And so, yeah, come on, let's give God thanks for that. That's amazing. Love that. And you're part of that with your giving. So every dollar that you give, part of that goes right back to Cuba. We're, we're supporting ministries in different places of the world. But uh, we're also working on some missions trips to places like Cuba and Guatemala as things open back up. So we'll, you'll hear more about that as well. Um, but let me pray for us today. Let me bless our time. And we're going to worship the Lord with giving in just a moment. All right. So, Lord, we love you. I thank you that you've called us to a higher level, God. We thought we couldn't do it, but we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can forgive, and we choose to walk in that forgiveness today. Lord, if you've done it before, you can do it again. And so we trust you. We give our lives to you. We put our hope in you today, Jesus. We ask you to bless this offering. Let it further your kingdom. Let it make a difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand up on our feet today. Let's worship God. If you have prayer needs, meet one of our prayer teams in the middle at the front. Hey, come on, let's worship God. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Step two happening right after the service. Go with God, He is going with you. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. 